This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in. Touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It has been a while. We are happy to be back. Had a week off last week, preempted by morning baseball. Who got the win, to be fair. Yes. We were preempted by a win, which is always nice. Not so nice. That's the last day they won. Semantics. They're on a three-game losing streak. That, They're going to try to flip thing. that around today. Uh, they're back in action. We'll have uh, we'll have some baseball talk later on in the show, along with some other stuff uh, with Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, we've got football discussion. Uh, there is some scheduling uh, uh, things that came up since the last time we hit the air, so we can talk a little bit about that if we want. And there's still been like the fallout from that over this past week as well. Why is Nebraska football dramatic? They're never dramatic. What? And then uh, some Husker Hoops roster news, uh, a lot of stuff to get to, uh, but I want to start off with the thing that we didn't get last year, that we did get finally yesterday, I guess with four games on Thursday too. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, NCAA Wrestling Championships. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. We didn't get that last year either. We didn't get that last year either. Couple All Americans to talk about. Another Fantastic four timer. Yes, this is the third in history, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but let's start with uh, the obligatory thing to talk about the day after, and it's how's your bracket? Yeah, that's fun talk. Yeah, we didn't get that last year, and I forgot. So I was listening back to some some old things that we were talking about with the start of uh, start of baseball season. Yep. And we were talking about how it might take some time to get the rust off, and we were looking back to the start of football and the start of basketball and how we called it stupid season because <laughs> anything was going to happen, not necessarily who were the favorites. Right. And then what did we see is that the brackets are immediately torn up because the Big Ten had a great regular season and then fell into the SEC trap of best conference in the land but then didn't show up for the tournament necessarily. Not that not that I would think the Big Ten really lost to bad teams. These these teams are in the tournament for a reason, right? And and you can get hot at any time. But man, it did not look good for the conference yesterday. Yeah, and, and, and that hurt people's brackets. You're you're uh, one of your two seeds going down in the first round is not a good look. There's only been previous to yesterday eight. 15 seeds to have ever won mm-hmm. against a two seed uh, in tournament history since 1985 when it went 64. Uh, and Ohio State is now added to that list. The last one was a two seed from the Big Ten that yours truly took to win the whole thing. That was <laughs> Michigan State in 2016. They went down to Middle Tennessee. Uh, so, yeah, Ohio State drops their opener to Oral Roberts. They of the Summit League, which were Omaha plays. Yes. Uh, think about if Omaha knocked off number two seed Ohio State. That's basically the equivalent of what happened if you've never mm-hmm. heard of Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was not great. Purdue also oh, Omaha or South Dakota State or see Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State going. They they've been kind of on a downward slide of late, mm-hmm. but they've been on a downward slide of late, losing to really good teams in the Big yeah. Ten. Purdue that one I thought was maybe even a little bit. Well, it, it's a it's a. Four thirteen, not as not as surprising as a two fifteen, I'll say. But in terms of what Purdue's done, Purdue hasn't lost any games up until yesterday to what you would quote unquote call a bad team. Mm-hmm. All of their losses were to upper tier Big Ten teams, right. every one of them. Right, and they had two wins, as it were, over Ohio State. Those were their marquee wins of the season. So to have them lose to North Texas. The way they, I mean, they were dominated early. They came mm-hmm. back and made it a game, and they sent it to overtime, and then didn't score until I think 26 seconds left in overtime. And had a shot to tie it. Which, right, it had multiple shots to tie it yes, right at the end. They did, and I, I appreciate their homage to Nebraska football and trying not to score <laughs> a single point in overtime. 
Uh, but yeah, that's not a great look. I think, look, the whole Big Ten thing, that just hinges on whether or not they finally get a national championship. Mm-hmm. You got Michigan and Illinois as one seed, still positioned well. You got Iowa with Luca Garza, who could just go on a tear single-handedly. You know, Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, UConn-type style, mm-hmm. uh, and just do it himself. There's a lot of still good that can come out of the Big Ten, even if only one team makes a Sweet 16. If that team wins the title... I think people will call it a success overall mm-hmm. because you finally got off that 21-year schneid going back to 2000 with right. Michigan State. Um, so I, I, those are the only two teams, by the way, Purdue and Ohio State, the only Sweet 16 teams I lost yesterday. This is the difficult part about filling out a bracket. And I think some of us, even like myself, it was like, now do I pick the teams that I watched the most? Well, that's going to be a lot of Big Ten games. Yeah. And I know these teams the best. But like in Ohio State where we saw the slide, but also we saw the tournament, like the Big Ten tournament went all right. So you're balancing out those things of going, are they off of the slide? What are things going to look like now when they're playing in the tournament? Um, we're going to get to see what that looks like for Creighton mm-hmm. today. Yeah, that, that That's of local interest. Um, we get to see what things are like playing in Lucas Oil Stadium. I think that's something, and I don't, I didn't pull it up in front of me, but from the games that I watched just as anecdotal evidence, the games that are played at Lucas Oil Stadium, the shooting's not quite as there. There's that deeper backdrop. It's a little bit off. Right? The games played at uh, Mackey and Hinkle, you're seeing the shooting be a little bit more on par with what you would expect from the teams because it's a regular college basketball arena. Right. So now you're looking at what is your not only your draw with a team, not only how has your team been playing of late, not only how many players on your team are even healthy to play, and now it's the luck of the draw on which arena you're playing at. Yep. There are so many factors, and then we go through and try to fill out a bracket and say this team's going to win, and this team's going to go to the Final Four, and this team's going to win it all. Yep. And it was a mess yesterday, and I love every bit of it. Even if my bracket is so bad, this might be the worst bracket I've ever filled out. And I've It's been, only been one day, Caleb. And And I've been filling out brackets since I was like <laughs> 11 years old. Yeah. All right? This might already be the worst bracket I've ever filled out. How, how far do you have the Buckeyes going? Final four. Oh, okay. My wife and my seven-year-old son both had them winning it all. So that's a rough day at the office. You know what? I didn't go that far. Yeah. I will say this, though. My girlfriend still has the UConn over Illinois championship game. Hey, UConn's won a national title as a seven seed. That I'm going to be so mad if that happens. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, out of all of that. And I, I even dissuaded her from a bunch of... Because originally she thought the seed was the higher, the number was the better the team. So she was going through picking a bunch of 16s, 15s, 14s. After yesterday, I was like, I should not have corrected her. (laughs) I should have let that play out. Um, It's funny you bring up the the arena thing. So you have Indiana and Purdue both hosting NCAA tournament games No no teams from the state of Indiana are alive still. That's right. But here's the funny thing. There, There are four. So those two sites are hosting four first-round games apiece, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two yesterday for each site. There's two today for each site. All four games in West Lafayette host Big Ten teams. Wisconsin beat North Carolina. Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts. And then today, Michigan ho- uh, will beat Texas Southern, I would think. Um, and then that UConn team that your uh, your wife is, your, your girlfriend's hinging on is uh, facing Maryland, the 10 seed. Uh-huh. Uh, those are all in West Lafayette. The Bloomington games, no Big Ten teams there. Although, uh, I am uh, rocking my LSU uh, purple today because I've got them over St. Bonaventure. They're playing in Bloomington. Now, I've got the Bonnies winning a couple games. A couple of games. You have them beating Michigan? Oops. Maybe. Maybe. Wow, I have Michigan in my final four. Michigan, out out of everything that happened, Michigan is a team I have the least amount of confidence in. Specifically, the the livers injury hurts. Yeah. But I really liked what I saw from them for about three weeks after their pause. Yeah. And then we got to the Big Ten tournament, and I was like, you guys are good, but now I'm afraid of what's going to happen in the tournament. If and they got beat if, by Ohio State. Yeah, if you're if you're missing pieces, and yeah. now they're missing pieces, and we saw what happened to Ohio State yesterday. True, true. We'll see what happens. I, I, not only do I have my LSU hat on, I'm really excited for this time of year now as well because things are starting to open back up. I have my 2016 Lincoln Parks and Rec softball championship oh, yeah. shirt on, which is also purple. Forever a champion. And Oh, certainly. And I've got... 
uh, flag football starting up for our seven-year-old. He's going to be able to finally get that going. Oh, uh, got practice tomorrow. We've got games starting this month. That's pretty exciting. Okay, I'm a new dad. How does all that stuff work? Like, is there tryouts or do you just pay no, and it's show just, up? It's rec. So you just you just register and they put you on a team. Usually with your same. You can re- you can ask for hey, can you play with Johnny over here who lives across the street? Yeah, that's fine. Thank you to everyone who's listening to the show for Husker Talk, but I really want to know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in. <laughs> and actually, it's funny you you kind of ask for some of these details. If you go back a couple years uh, with our our oldest, who's nine, uh, she played t-ball and they put her on a team through the YMCA, and that was called the Royals. And so I have uh. friends of mine at work are like, okay, who did you pay to stick them with the <laughs> Royals name on your daughter's team? Well, the Y, I think, is coming back around because they are trolling me this year. Well, they got you on, like, the Rockies? The No, well, this is football this oh, year. Oh, fo- football, right. Oh, the My Bucks. son is on the Bucks. Yes! Who at the YMCA do I need to call... <laughs> Not okay. I'm calling us the Pirates. I'm going to have a conversation with our head coach. We're going to have a team name change. We're going to change the name of the franchise before the first game's even played. I will refuse. The Lincoln YMCA Sailors. I will. I refuse to call our team <laughs> the Bucks. What what positions are going to be? Any I, they'll play. I, I don't even know if there's positions. It's like Fred Hoiberg's offense. Positionless football. <laughs> Positionless football. <laughs> They're they're first graders. You know what? They're going to be running around as fast as they can. I want to see Fro- straight out of bounds. I want to see Scott Frost adopt the positionless football game. <laughs> they kind of do that on defense to a certain extent. Right. You got linebackers playing safety. You've got nickel corners who have to kind of be able to do linebacker and corner and safety roles. Um, and and we will have a little bit more uh, football next week as we will be on the eve of spring practice starting. Um, which which that'll be. Finally, exciting to actually get back to talking about on-field stuff so we can stop having to talk about off-field <sighs> stuff. Uh, because as as happened while we were not enjoying a full show or an, any show at all... We had, we had a Wednesday show, but that was all right. Nebraska ball talk. You and I, yeah, we, we, we KLN, Husker Hour, Drive Time Lincoln. The, the Oklahoma scheduling snafu... Uh, w- look... Maybe they were looking at trying to get an eighth game, but there was no way to do it. Like, you can't possibly think that anyone would have received that sort of thing well with with getting rid of the Oklahoma game that's been on the schedule since Tom Osborne was athletic director, having it be on the 50-year anniversary of the game of the century. Yeah. And you you go back to a... F- Relatively recent scheduling snafu with Sean Eichhorst <laughs> getting out of the, the Iowa-Nebraska Black Friday matchup and say, oh, yeah, we're still going to play in Black, Fri- Black Friday, but it's going to be against another team. Did Doesn't you matter. Did you happen to read my, my story on this? I did. I called this more short-sighted than anything Eichhorst did. Well, not only that, Sean Eichhorst could maybe feign ignorance to a certain extent. I mean, you are the Nebraska athletic director, so that's not really an excuse, but he's not been at Nebraska for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So you could argue that, hey, he didn't know any better. Who's Nebraska's head coach? Scott Frost knew better. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the one who drove this, and maybe he didn't even become aware of it until you know further along in the process, but some reporting has actually had this out for about a month or more that Nebraska's been exploring moving the Oklahoma game out a, for, or a year down the road so you can get an extra home game. What I think they may end up doing, and this has been reported since then, they're going to try to move that Southeast Louisiana game, yeah. move that up, whether it's them or somebody else, but they want that game in warmer weather in Lincoln so you can get more economic impact, you can get more money out of the thing. It's better weather to bring in recruits. All of it, all of it is, is better when it's still in September from almost every standpoint. But, but here's, here's the part of all of that. This is the exact way the discussion should have gone. All right, guys, we probably want to move uh, a game up into the early part of the season and get it as a home game. Um, so what are we thinking? What, what are some games late in the year? Uh, well, we, we've, got a, we've got a road game with Oklahoma. Do we want to move that? Absolutely not. Okay, next what's question. next? Moving on. And it, all right, we've got that, that late season non-conference game. Should we move that? All right, let's explore it. That's it's, exactly how the conversation should have gone in less than 30 seconds. It's kind of like, hey... Um, 
Everybody, I want your input. There are no stupid ideas. Let's just go ahead and throw them out there. Hey, let's move the Oklahoma game. Yeah, actually, that might be a stupid idea. Maybe we shouldn't go that far. I, like I that should be the only option not on the table. And right. There, and there were, you know what? And there were a number of folks defending it as well, saying, "Well, if if money's the issue, then then yeah, we we need to get rid of the the Oklahoma game to get another home game in." Well. Other programs are hurting for money, too. And if you leave out the Oklahoma game this year, you lose it next year because you're just essentially breaking that content. You don't get them right. at home. Right. So now you've missed out on that. Would Nebraska have even been exploring moving any of the games if Oklahoma was at home this year and Nebraska was in Norman next year? No. no they wouldn't have They been. wouldn't. Yeah. So it was very selfish and short-sighted. And I don't think that, I mean, if, if the shoe were on the other foot, and it was a Nebraska home game, and Oklahoma was looking at the economic impact, and that story is leaked out there. I wonder I wonder if the dynamic is different because Oklahoma is a perennial playoff contender. I don't think it would because a lot of this flack is coming from lifelong fans and boosters. And I think it would be the same thing in Norman as it is in Lincoln. I, I agree. And, 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 they, and they would rightfully take the flack, but... Oklahoma is not the whipping boy of the national media the way Nebraska is. Oklahoma's not going to be accused of ducking Nebraska. Yes. That's the difference. That, from the history and tradition standpoint, from the fans and the media, 100%, I agree. But they would have gotten absolutely zero of the other side that yes. Nebraska is getting. Like, hey, they're just trying to go get a bye game so they can start off with a better year. That No. The Oklahoma is going to be a heavy favorite in this home game of theirs. The public relations have not been handled as well for as simple as these matters really could have been taken. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it was it was rough. Everybody knows that. We haven't had a chance to discuss. At least I haven't. You've been on the air since, so wanted to get that out there. Uh, let's move along. We've got Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald coming up in our next segment. He covers baseball uh, and football uh, for the World Herald, so uh, we'll touch on a little bit of the football with him. Uh, but definitely heavy on the baseball. They're back in action today. A three-game series with Iowa. They got shut out yesterday. Uh, Iowa's got a pretty good Friday pitcher, so hopefully Nebraska can get off on uh, a better footing today and tomorrow. Uh, we'll touch on that and uh, some basketball roster movement. Plenty of more to get to here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour, back with you after a week off, preempted by baseball last Saturday morning. Not so today. It's more of a, a regular schedule. And uh, one of the guys covering all of that action every single game, every single week for you is uh, the Omaha World Herald's Evan Bland. He joins us now. Here on the Husker Hour, Evan, thanks a lot for joining us. How are you? I don't know why you can't hear us. Let's figure this out. Yeah, while we uh, try to figure out how we get Evan there, just as a uh, reminder, Husker Baseball at Iowa today. It is a one thirty pregame, 2 o'clock first pitch is what we've got coming up here on KLIN. All right. Evan, hey, Aria, are you able to hear us now? I can hear you, yeah. How's it going? All right, great. How are you? Um, hey, we uh, we have now the Huskers in action in a regular three-game series. Uh, it's more of a traditional setup after having a couple of uh, four-game sets, trading teams, playing a couple different teams. Uh, Nebraska loses yesterday. Is that just a they, – they've kind of had their momentum stopped here with a three-game losing streak. Uh, what, what was the reason for that in your mind? Is Iowa just roll, rolling out a really good Friday starter – uh, is the offense kind of hitting a wall with the younger guys? What, what, in your estimation, happened yesterday? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, I was Trenton Wallace, a left-hander, junior. I mean, this is a guy who will be a major league draft pick this summer. Um, and he's, he, he does this to a lot of teams, so that's just kind of how they operate. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to read too much into it, but it does – continue a, a sort of a recent malaise for the Nebraska offense where uh, they're striking out too much. They're not walking enough. And in this case, they, they just get three hits and uh, it's, it's been a struggle to try to get that clutch hit, whether that's been a home run, whether that's been, you know, even a single with runners in scoring position. 
Uh, and even when they do have somebody say at third with, with fewer than two outs, uh, they strike out instead of uh, hitting a sack fly or a ground out. So that's been kind of the, the, the recent trouble during this streak. And I think the frustrating part for Nebraska too, is that the bullpen has been very good. The defense coming into the weekend was statistically uh, in terms of fielding percentage, the best defense in the country. And the starting pitching has been good enough too. I mean, even last night, Cade Povich gives them five very strong innings, gives up a couple of home runs in the sixth, but uh, you know, three runs on, on a conference matchup sort of situation, you know, that, that shouldn't be too much for Nebraska to overcome on a given night. So, uh, you know, it, it was another strong start from their Friday guy that went for not. Um, and you would just think that now I think what's interesting today and tomorrow against Iowa, these are the two starters that Nebraska saw in Minneapolis last weekend. So conventional baseball wisdom says if you see a guy in a condensed period of time more than once, uh, you're going to know what he throws. You're going to know what, what that guy is all about. And so I would expect uh, the offense to pick up for Nebraska today and tomorrow. And if it doesn't, um, then it's probably a, a deeper issue maybe than just matchups. Evan, speaking of those pitchers, especially the starters, it seems like it's been pretty much the same guys. And with not getting any midweek games, you don't get some of those guys you might normally just kind of roll out, especially some underclassmen. What 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 have what do you see from that aspect of things as the season goes on, especially once you start to talk about the possibility of postseason play and maybe wanting to have a few extra starters? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of layers to it. The no midweeks, the no non-con. We've talked about it before about <clears throat> how that uh, affects the RPI situation. It essentially makes that measuring tool non-existent for Nebraska and every other team in the Big Ten when you're just playing conference teams. But yeah, I think the the other more interesting component with no midweeks is that you don't have that chance to to kind of ease your freshmen or some of your other newcomers into situations, right? I mean, you're not maybe going to throw a freshman out there in a big 10 game that counts in the standings, but Hey, on a Tuesday night against UNO or against Kansas state or Creighton, you might throw somebody out there uh, and see what they can do and and get them uh, sort of acclimated to college baseball a little bit more. Um, So, you know, Nebraska doesn't have that luxury. Big 10 teams don't have that luxury. Uh, we kind of have, have a sense of what they believe their fourth starter to be in Jake Buns. He's been that guy on those four-game weekends. Uh, I think in a typical year, Braxton Bragg, who's a second-year freshman, would have been somebody uh, who could fill that spot. And then eventually when Kyle Perry gets healthy, he, he, we may see him at some point this season. He was a left-hander who had Tommy John surgery last summer, so he definitely fits into the long-term plans uh, for Nebraska as a starter too. But it does. It hurts um, development. It hurts uh, kind of from a coaching perspective. It hurts your chance to see what kind of depth you have, what some of the younger guys can do. Uh, and, and you just hope if you're Nebraska that there are going to be situations, whether you're up a lot, uh, whether you're down by a decent amount late, that these guys can get in, get their feet wet, and uh, you have a better sense of what they can do when the lights come on in a big baseball game. Apparently acclimating themselves well. Uh, you don't get that time at pitching, but at the plate, uh, the first couple classes, whether it's freshmen or sophomores for, for Will Bolt, have seemed to be going well. What, what, what's the ceiling on, on this group of guys that have, that have hit well early? Obviously, we, we've talked about uh, Leighton Banjoff last year, and we talk about Max Anderson this year. But there's a number of other guys that have come in and hit well, have hit, uh, hit, got multi-base hits, and have got home runs. Uh, so it seems like the underclassmen, at least at the plate, are doing well. What, what are you seeing there, Evan? Yeah, in terms of true freshmen, I mean, it's about as as strong a start as you could ask for. Max Anderson, the, the third baseman DH type, uh, had an outstanding first weekend for sure, was strong in Minneapolis. I think you've, you've seen the league adjust to him a little bit more. They're not throwing him nearly as many fastballs. They're they're challenging him with breaking pitches and, and pounding the outside part of the plate more than they did early on when they didn't know, uh, when they didn't really have a book or a scouting report on him. But he's, he's still their leading hitter uh, through nine games, which is awfully impressive. Bryce Matthews, their second baseman, has been pretty much flawless in the field. Uh, he hit a home run against, uh, I think it was Ohio State, or maybe it was Iowa last weekend in Minnesota. Um, he's, he's been strong, and Jack Style was somebody who has really come on uh, at, that va- at that open uh, first base spot. Um, you know, th- there were a number of different guys who could have 
maybe seize control there. Jack Style, the freshman, has done that. He hit that that monster shot uh, in Texas against Purdue in that opening weekend, and he's proven himself to be pretty good uh, defensively too. And I think what's especially impressive about those three guys is they're doing it in a year when uh, the roster is deeper than it ever is, right? You think about the, the the super seniors that have come back from Nebraska. You think about how the shortened major league draft has uh, really, um, you know, kind of condensed college baseball rosters or, or added a lot of depth there. And so what these guys are doing uh, in a year when the rosters are deeper than ever to come in and, and start right away to make an impact right away. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really impressive. And it speaks, I think, to the to the immediate potential as well as the the future potential of what Nebraska baseball could be. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the depth of the lineup because uh, you, the one of those super seniors is Mojo Haggy, who's about as super as it gets. He's been here uh, for almost as long as this show has been on the air six years, <laughs> and and so him only having played three games is pretty indicative of just how many guys you have that are are capable of playing in the Big Ten. And Will Bold is really, I mean, there's no there's no non-conference season to ease these guys in. There's no midweek games. He's just going to have to kind of pick his spots. Um, it, it, how, it seems like it's going to be pretty difficult to be able to, to, to do that and still get guys as many at-bats, to get guys as many uh, efforts on the mound as, as he would otherwise get out of a, a regular season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it depends on, I guess, your perspective when you, when you talk about a situation like this. I mean, from a, a, a team perspective, I mean, Nebraska loves it, right? Like they, they have 12, 13 guys uh, in terms of hitters that they could put in the lineup at any given point and feel like, uh, depending on matchups, depending on how guys are going, uh, that they can contribute and help win games. Um, and that's certainly not been the case even in recent years with Nebraska, even their regional teams. I mean, you, you felt pretty good about maybe their top six, but that last third of the order, you just never knew uh, who it was going to be. And, and it oftentimes didn't really produce, but that's not been the case this year with some of these guys. Um, you, you look at it more from an individual perspective, though, and, and like you mentioned, Mojo Haggy uh, decided to come back this year, and he hasn't played a ton. Logan Foster, who transferred from Texas A&M, the, the Lincoln Southwest grad, sat out last year uh, as a transfer so he could play for his home state school, and he's you know played maybe about half the games. And so I think what's been impressive about guys like that, and Will Bolt has said as much, and, and other Huskers have said as much, as these guys have been great teammates, even when they're not out there. I mean, you can see them in the dugout encouraging guys. You can see them locked in, giving pointers to uh, some of the younger guys who are going up about pitching tendencies or, or things they see about those hitters, uh, sort of like player coaches on the side. So especially as Nebraska got off to that strong start, you could really see those contributions. And I think even as they're uh, struggling here on this little three-game skid, Sometimes those guys, those seniors who've been through the wars before, even if they're not out there, they have just as much of an impact on what this team can do going forward, uh, just in, in terms of how they interact with their teammates, their own experience, um, their time at Nebraska, right? These guys have been at Nebraska longer than uh, Will Bolton and his staff have. So there's uh, definitely some value there. And, and whether they're on the field or not, they're definitely big parts of the team here the rest of the season. All right. It, it was weird for me last week watching on – btn plus the games on a football field and just like (laughs) everything looked weird and then there's a catch in what would be foul territory but that's like a no-go zone so it just counts as being out of play how weird was it for you to to to, to watch whatever that was last week that was i mean i guess here we were trying to put together a golden window i don't know what that was in minneapolis (laughs) Well, I, I was there. I went up and, and took it in in the park, and it was it was weird, man. First of all, getting into the park was odd. None of the doors are marked because it's not open to fans. It's just <laughs> friends and family. So you got to go under like this construction platform just to get in one door. You go through a temperature check. But yeah, once you get in there, uh, you know the pitcher's mound was on like the 17 yard line, which you could clearly still see. Uh, you're right. That first foul ball that was caught was like uh, out of bounds. I guess is what you would call it, uh, which was, which was bizarre. Um, and the turf, which was never meant for baseball to be played on, it played pretty slow. So you contrast that with like what Iowa has with its own artificial surface that plays much faster than what Minneapolis did. And, and I think 
you know, the weirdest part still, and, and yes, it was an, it was a, it was kind of, <laughs> it was not a pretty sight to look at that <laughs> baseball field overlaying a football field, very, just not aesthetically pleasing at all. But, but to me, the bigger thing too, was the lack of a crowd, right? Just friends and family allowed in per big 10 policy. Uh, it felt kind of like a scrimmage. Will Bolt said you could hear a pin drop at times, any interaction between the umpires and the players or the coaches, you could clearly hear. And then uh, the, the friends and family that were there for both schools, they bunched them together on the third base line. So, you know, it's kind of this odd dynamic where if you're say a Nebraska fan and you're sitting right next to an Iowa fan who happens to be a parent of one of the players, like how vocal do you really <laughs> want to get? So it, it turns into a really odd sort of dynamic. And uh, so I, I'm glad they're back outside this weekend. I think that makes it a little bit more normal. They got the games in. That's the important thing, but very bizarre sort of atmosphere for a college baseball game for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll get you out of here with one football one here, Evan. Uh, we got spring practice, not this week, but next week. We don't have a chance to talk to you until then uh, after that starts. So give me one player on the offense and one player on the defense uh, that you think needs to make a move here in spring practice before the 2021 season. I mean, offense, you could pick, you know, a dozen different guys that could, <laughs> that could come on. I'll, I'll go, I'll go Omar Manning. I mean, he, he was, yeah. uh, you know, the, the touted junior college wide receiver who came in last year, appeared in one game, didn't make a catch. And what coaches said all of last year was he had some health issues and, and it was never really clear whether that was physical, whether that was some personal stuff, whether it was a mix. Uh, and, and whatever it was, he's, he's now been in the program for nearly a year. And I think, you know, at the very minimum, if he can string together 15 spring practices, uh, I think that'd be huge for someone who was just not able to stay on the field last year and didn't really get a fair chance to learn the offense. So if he can just show that he can be out there regularly, if he can show a grasp of, of what Nebraska wants to do in terms of scheme, I mean, that's a guy physically 6'4", and 210, something like that, uh, who can give Nebraska an outside receiving threat that they really haven't had since Stanley Morgan a few years ago. So that's a big one. And if, and if he's out there, I think that changes the perception of what the passing game can be for Nebraska next fall. Uh, you know, defensively, I think it with, with so many guys coming back, really the, the, the position to watch is what happens with that open cornerback spot that DiCaprio Boodle vacates. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so there are a number of different guys I think you could go with. To me, um, Nadab Joseph is an interesting one, another junior college guy who came in late last year. He was uh, a summer commit last year, and so he, too, really didn't have a ton of time to acclimate to college, to learn the, the defensive schemes and things of that nature. And so uh, as a guy who has a, has a really impressive pedigree, he was once committed to LSU, Alabama. He signed with Georgia. He's got the physical tools. If he can come out and show that he's settled in, uh, you know, that, that second cornerback spot, you know, it, it, it's it's right up there for, for his uh, taking if he wants it. So I think he's another guy to watch this year. And if he can settle in, man, that, that defense just looks all the more salty next fall, too. That's Evan Bland covering football and is uh, all over Husker baseball as well for the Omaha World Herald. Uh, thanks a lot for the time, Evan, and we will talk to you again down the road. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, it's I, I, I agree with him on Nadab Joseph. Um, but I think on the on the offensive line, man, I would really uh, like to see one of the young guys uh, get up there and, and take a spot. Uh, it, Turner Corcoran, I think, proved himself pretty well in that Rutgers game, in that one chance that he had. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that he needs to make a move per se because that's his job. Um, but maybe that only other see. open spot is is where I want to see somebody grab it and go. Maybe on on, on the Corcoran side of things. You pretty much lock him into that spot. Yes. He's on the line. Yeah. But I want to see him run away with it. Oh, Obviously, yeah. I want to see uh, co competition is great, but I want to see Turner Corcoran show up and go through this spring and say, there's no chance anyone's taking this spot. This is my spot for the next three to four years. Yeah, agreed. I think that would be uh, very beneficial uh, for that offense. All right, more to come. Stick with us here on the K-Line Husker Hour. Volleyballs today. Baseballs today. Women's basketballs in the second round of the WNIT today. We've got wrestling all Americans. And I want to hear Cole talk about spring game attendance decided by the Big Ten. Mmm. <laughs> I bet you do. That's fun. You can hear it too if you stick around here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Hey.
giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour rolling along here on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us, whether it's on the airwaves of 1400 or if it's on the Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. We appreciate you. If you missed that Evan Bland conversation, you can always catch up on the podcast page at KLIN.com or you can watch the videos back on that Facebook page. Uh, we we hit on the baseball with Evan. Uh, they're in action later today. Football is going to have spring practice coming up. Uh, but the other major men's sport that's furthest off playing now is basketball. Right. And we finally learned some fates of some of the players who were on that 2020-2021 team. Uh, you've got three departures and one super senior sticking around. Uh, let's run those down real quick with a call a rope saying bye-bye, mm-hmm. sat out this year. Uh, you've got... That's I mean, actually... The, and as, as we go through yeah. these... The Arope one to me is the most disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, not not that he can't be successful anywhere, and not that I want don't want the best for him, but that's disappointing from a program standpoint. Not that I'm disappointed in what a, a call decides to do. Yeah, because that is a that's the only in-state guy left on the roster. Like, right. Because right. if we were counting Teddy Allen as an in-state guy, yeah. a, a call was the only one. So you finish the season with no in-state guys on scholarship. Mm-hmm. A call was it, and he's one of the guys that we looked at, and when when he came in, and we talked about last year, and it was great to watch him on the front of that press because of all that length and athleticism, and he he would show flashes of what he could develop into, and then unfortunately the 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 injury and the surgery ahead of the season, so he has to sit out, um, which is unfortunate to sit out a year that's not going to count against you eligibility wise. That that's really an unfortunate part. Yeah. But there are certain glue things you need to have in the program, and I thought a call was going to be going to be able to be one of those of an in-state guy who sticks around for four years, four or five years, and is just a consistent part of the team, kind of like a Thor. Yeah. What what we ended up seeing, but from an in-state guy, and I think you need to have with as much as there's been the roster turnover because it is a it's a new regime. You're going to have that anyway. But as much as Hoiberg likes to live with the transfers, you need to have a few guys that do stick around and can fill in those gaps while other guys maybe have to learn some of the system. And they're really good plug-and-play guys. And I wanted to see that out of a call going forward. But he's going to go find somewhere, and he's going to get some great playing time. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's 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 going to find a spot. Um, you've got uh, another one of the Aropes, uh, who's, uh, I think it's a Gook, who's, been a couple of spots. He's been with San Diego State, I think, for the last two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they made the tournament, just lost yesterday um, in uh, an upset to Syracuse. So, yeah, he's he's going to find a place, um, and, and he'll be able to get some minutes uh, with whoever he goes to. Ivan Wedrago, mm-hmm. another one who is uh, going away. He we, played we could, a lot we could see that year. one. Yeah, he played a lot his freshman year, kind of by necessity. Mm-hmm. Set the Nebraska rebounding record for a freshman, <laughs> uh, and and so he, they had to have him in there for that first season under yeah. under Hoiberg. But uh, once you got Derek Walker going, and once Eduardo Andre started to grasp the system yes. as well, it was pretty clear that he was not going to be a heavy part of that rotation going forward. And so that one, like you said, not not too surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, certainly wish him the best as well, just like a call. And then Elijah Wood. This is his freshman year, and he didn't really see much time other than mop-up duty. He wasn't part of the rotation, and I don't know that that was going to change a whole lot. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think of him because he came in, and obviously he's a freshman. Yeah. But there's a bunch of up. There's a bunch of guys in front of him mm-hmm. at the guard wing positions that he would play. I, was he expecting more playing time than what was there on the roster? I don't. This is one that's a little bit confusing because we didn't get to see him, so we don't know what the really the upside is going forward. Was, was he brought in more as a developmental two, three, four year guy? But was he expecting to get the more playing time, which is not something anyone was going to get with the number of guys in front of him? Yeah. So that one is just kind of a if if you're not going to be here and develop, I guess go try to find somewhere that you're going to play right away. But I don't know that there was a situation where he was going to go somewhere at a Power Five school and play right away, anyway. Right. So, so, so that that's three, and all, all three of those really kind of came out within about twenty four hours. Yeah, they were all announced by the university simultaneously. Yeah. Actually, uh, even though I think Ivan uh, had come out earlier, uh, and then 
the the one of the two guys who were seniors on this roster, Thor and, and Kobe. So actually, two out of the three we have reports this week. And I'll let you get to this one, and I'll fill you in. Okay. So so you got Kobe yep. and, and Thor, both seniors on this team. Not sure where they're going, what they're doing. Kobe Webster, in a, a little uh, two-minute video on social media, announces that he is returning. MJ-esque. For his super senior season. I'm back. Yes. Yes, the I'm back. Um, so he's going to be back, and and that one's interesting because late in the year after Teddy Allen left, Kobe Webster kind of took on the scoring load all mm-hmm. of a sudden, and he hadn't been a relied-upon scorer early on in the season. It was Teddy, obviously, Delano Banton, and Trey McGowan's, who were averaging in the double figures. Kobe Webster was hardly playing. It was frustrating as a fan to see, and I can't imagine how frustrating it was for him. There were so many times Kobe just went to the corner. Yeah, He just went to the corner to space the floor, and even if he was open, you could see the frustration from him of, oh man, my guy sucked in to help out on a drive, but a shot was just thrown up, or there was a turnover, and he's just wide open in the corner. Yeah. And he wasn't getting the opportunities for that. He obviously got those opportunities late. And the best part about him coming back and the way the NCAA has ruled this is his scholarship doesn't count against the limit next year. So if we're counting at home, those three departures, that opens up three scholarships. Kobe comes back. He doesn't take up one of those. It's just an extra guy that gets to be on the floor. We're still waiting for Thor's decision. And he's got a lot to weigh. Because he's been through, a, he's been through a coaching change. He's been through what, like forty some teammates, and he's going to have more come in next year if he were to stick around. Um, what are his opportunities at the international level? What are his opportunities to play professional back home in Iceland? Yeah, I, I, I don't follow Iceland professional basketball well enough to know where he would fit in with some of these guys. But he's got options, and he would be one that I would expect. Um, and as anyone who follows Robin Washit on on uh, Twitter, he's probably the one covering this the best. Mm-hmm. And he said that it was it's going to be several weeks possibly for a Thor decision. Now here's the other one, Trevor Lakes. Oh right, the D two sharpshooting transfer from Indianapolis, which is curious that that's where <laughs> all the uh, games are being played for the NCAA men's basketball tournament right now. But Trevor Lakes. It was ruled this week by the NCAA that he counts as a senior from this last year. So what does that do for his eligibility? Well, him coming back now doesn't count against the scholarship count. So he counts now as a super senior guy to come back in that same category as Kobe and Thor, if Thor so decides to come back. So what did we do with our scholarship count? Well, three guys left, and now Trevor Lakes doesn't count against that cap. Four open scholarships on top of um uh Bradenbach Wilhelm Bradenbach yep Kisei Tomanaga yep Bryce McGowan's it's great to know these names before they get to campus and have to take out a roster at the uh <laughs> the opening game cuz that, that that was a little harder this year but you've got those 3 and those don't count as any of those scholarships you have four open scholarships to go bring guys in, whether it's a high school guy, whether it's a transfer. And I will tell you what, I will be, if not the most disappointed person in this city, maybe this state, all of Husker Nation, if Drew Cuxhausen is not one of those guys coming in. Oh, boy. Scott's Bluff's own, transferring away from McNeese State. It's Hoiberg season. It's and, transfer season. And he has shot from all over that floor at Pinnacle Bank Arena already. Absolutely. Let him come back, do it again for a year. Yeah. And then you get your uh, you get your uh, Nebraska guy quotient. You uh, got to get it. That's the other thing. You got to get Nebraska guys. From what we saw at the State Boys Basketball Tournament, there's talent here. Absolutely. Go get it. Yes, 100%. And, and one more quick note on Kobe Webster. He had 12 in the, the Big Ten tournament loss to Penn State. 23 against Northwestern. 17 against Iowa. Also, two uh, double-digit games right before that, Penn State, Illinois, or no, Illinois, Minnesota. So he can score if, if given the chance, uh, and I think his his emergence and, and his announcement that he's sticking around will help, too. And we are continuing to watch that transfer portal. Word is at least one more yeah. might be on the way out. But Kobe's decision, you would think that the core is sticking around. Yeah, so that's that, gi- that gives you hope of what they're expecting if he's going to come back. Read, read into that how you will. All right, more to come. Stick with us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN.
wrapping things up here. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. That is KLIN Sports Director Caleb Henry. Hello, hello. I am KLIN Contributor Extraordinaire Cole Extraordinaire. We've settled on that, I think. I don't, yeah. Get it on my business I think we card. got we got the papers signed and everything. So you've got a little bit of action today in many different directions <sighs> for Husker sports. Okay, yeah. So the ones we've got on air, we, <laughs> we got to make sure people know where things are. First of all, you've got coming up at 1.30, pregame, 2 o'clock, first pitch, Husker baseball at Iowa, game two of three this weekend. They'll turn around and play again tomorrow. Now, Husker women's basketball absolutely trounced Tennessee Martin yesterday. Um, sorry to my old friends in the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, but Nebraska 72-46 in the first round of the WNIT. So they advanced to today's second-round matchup against Colorado, who is 11-10 on the season. Nebraska's 13-12. Here we go, middling Power 5 conference teams in the uh, WNIT because of Husker Volleyball later today on B1073, that women's basketball game is going to be here on KLIN after baseball. Uh, first, uh, or the tip is set for 5 o'clock, so you'll get to that game roughly about 5. You might get a little bit of pregame, but uh, you're going to get there for the women's game, women's basketball game after baseball. And then tonight, Husker Volleyball. Look at this. Also playing Iowa. And that one has a 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock tip over on B1073. So I think that's that's everything you've got on the air for today. But you've also got guys wrestling for national championships. Now, Nebraska as a team is out of the team race. Right. Thank they it was a uh, it was a Friday that did not go well. Yeah. Um I didn't see everything. It looked like there was some controversy in the way some things were called. Um I will also be 100% upfront on this. I'm not great with wrestling. Like I grew up a, a basketball guy. I would go to wrestling and cheer when our guy slammed the other guy to the mat. <laughs> That's pretty much the extent of my wrestling knowledge. I understand two-point takedown, and you want to have ride time for a bonus point at some point. In general, hold the guy down and get a pin, and you get a bunch more points for your team. I get that. But there are a couple guys who are who are all Americans. Do you have those names pulled up over there? I I don't have it in front of me. I do. Yes, it is Chad Red Jr. Uh, who this is the fourth time he's been an All American in his career. Mm -hmm. That's only happened three times in Nebraska wrestling history. There are some good wrestlers: James here. Green and Brian Snyder. James Green, folks probably know. Brian Snyder, maybe not. Um, and and all I see is gold. I was going to say, you, you think about that, and Jordan Burroughs didn't do that. Jordan Burroughs was not a four-time All-American. He finished up very well, but no. Chad Red, one of three four-time All-Americans in Nebraska wrestling history. Uh, Mikey Labriola is uh, the other one who got All-American uh, validation uh, just yesterday as well. So those two guys, That's a, uh, by the way, congratulations to them. Maybe we do this at the start of when we're getting into the fall, but I want to do an all-name team for Husker Athletes. Because Mikey Labriola. That's pretty good. That sounds like he played for the hockey team that beat the Soviets. <laughs> does he not? Does he not sound like he's he's the he's the backup defenseman who all of a sudden he gets in on a line change he's at the end of the game? Line. Yeah, he's he, gotta Mike, clear the puck. Mikey Labriola, get out there. Get in there, Mikey. Labriola, we're pulling the goalie. Get out there. Oh my god. Right, coach. <laughs> I love that name, and it's great that's that he's good. successful, too. Yes, All-American. <laughs> awesome. Um, good for him. So, yeah, that's happening today. You've got, um, the, you've got the, the wrestling finishing up. Um, and and one other thing that's not going to be uh, broadcast, it's uh, the media won't even be able to talk to these guys, but they will at least be able to go and view. Uh, Pro Day mm -hmm. is Monday. Uh, and you've got five guys who are going to be uh, working out for NFL scouts, and that's DiCaprio Boodle. Obviously, he's uh, the most draft-worthy guy, I would think, on this uh, uh, out of this bunch. Matt Farniak, Brennan Hymas will certainly get some run, too. Uh, he, he left the team a little bit early before that last game to, to get ready. Dedrick Mills and Jack Stoll, those are your five guys. Uh, out of those, I think Boodle and Hymas, best chance to get drafted. Right. Um, Mills, I think, definitely makes a roster, um, and then maybe he can stick with a team. Uh, and and Farniak, Stoll, maybe they can catch on as a free agent as well. And, and all five of those guys will be working out Monday uh, with media limited availability. Just go to watch. They won't be able to talk to the guys, but they'll be able to see them. It's going to be so interesting because if we remember a year ago, the pro day happened on a Thursday yeah. in Nebraska. Guys that were there 
were some of the last to take part in a pro day in the nation because everything got shut down. That was the day all the conference tournaments got canceled. And then you started canceling pro days and everything going forward. We also want to mention um, on the track and field side of things, uh, a junior thrower, Berger Lambrix Jr., the Big Ten Field Athlete of the Year. Yeah. And this isn't something that you just go and you throw far. You got to go and you got to throw far, but it's the same way polls work. You have to have a vote. It's by the league's head coaches. He's the first ever Nebraska men's track and field athlete to win a Big Ten Athlete of the Year award. So you've been here for a decade. There have been some very good athletes, um, and he's the first uh, male to win track and field athlete of the year, and he did it. Uh, as a thrower, that's always nice to see. Really good shot putter. Congrats to him. And and if you have Mikey Labriola and Berger Lambrex facing off in a bracket, I was wins? telling you we gotta have we gotta do an all names team. Who wins that matchup? <sighs> Come on, putting you on the spot. Well, and here's the thing because you're gonna Ber- take the thrower because Berger's a you're gonna thrower, take the thrower. But here's the thing: <laughs> are they did did Mikey Labriola as a wrestler was he a thrower in track also? And then or do we have these guys go into each each other's event? Do they go wrestle? Where I'm going to take Mikey because he's just going to be quicker and a little spindly. They're not doing a decathlon. You're just picking one. <laughs> <laughs> You're just picking whose name is cooler. Give me Burger. Give right. me. Give me the thrower. You, as a former Division One thrower, what was your cool nickname like? Burger Lambert. Did, I didn't have a cool name. Uh, so I was the only guy on the team. Wasn't like and- Ironhead Henry or something. No. Um, like my my screen name for PlayStation is Corn Spear from the 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 Nebraska and I threw Corn javelin. Spear. So, uh, wow, but I no like one it. no one ever called me that. It was I was the only person on the team, the only athlete at the school, and one of I think like five people on campus who was from Nebraska. I am calling you Corn Spear. From I was now on. literally just Nebraska. Hey Nebraska. <laughs> And one of my best friends at college, he was like the only guy we knew there from Texas. Yeah. So we would just walk around, hey, Texas, hey, Nebraska. That was it. I didn't have a cool nickname. I was just Nebraska. I represented the state. It's like that part in Forrest Gump where you're like, Tex, he was from Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland, he was from Detroit. <laughs> um, real quick here in the last last couple minutes, Bill Moose talked with Sam McEwen. Um, about the COPC, Council of Presidents and Chancellors. Right. They have the final say on spring game. Your thoughts on attendance? I think the final say should be at this point, now that you've got a lot of vaccinations going on, you've got infections and, and hospitalizations and deaths all going down a lot, open it up to whatever the local area, city, county, state, whatever, Open it up to them. Let them make the decision for their area. I think that's what they should decide. And do it for all of the sports. Yes. You've got people gathering indoors for the basketball tournament right now. Baseball's outdoors. Softball's outdoors. Let them have it. Let them go. And track and field to go see Burger Lambrecht Jr. Yes. Burger Lambrex, Mikey Labriola. Who wins? One man emerges. Labriola! Go Big Red.